LA Times Studio, I am Sarah Rodman, host of The Real, your source for all things entertainment. And we are here today to talk about the nominations for Best Director at the Academy Awards. I am joined by esteemed film critic Justin Chang. Say hello to the people, Justin. Hello, everyone. And esteemed award show reporter Glenn Whip. Say hello, Glenn. Hello. And these are our nominees, gentlemen. They are Guillermo del Toro for The Shape of Water. Security. Who's security? Get them out. Christopher Nolan for Dunkirk. So now we're going to England. We have to go to Dunkirk first. Look at it. If we go there, we'll die. Jordan Peele for Get Out. Sir, can I see your license, please? Wait, why? Yeah, I have state ID. No, no, no. He wasn't driving. I didn't ask who was driving. I asked to see his ID. Yeah, why? That doesn't make any sense. Here. You don't have to give him your ID because you haven't done anything wrong. Maybe be me some cream. Paul Thomas Anderson for Phantom Thread. You don't turn it on me. I don't want your cloud on oh, my shut head. Shut up, Sarah. You can shut right up. Don't pick a fight with me. You certainly won't come out alive. And Greta Gerwig for Lady Bird. I want to go where culture is, but like how New in the York. World did I raise such or a at least snob. Connecticut or New Hampshire, where writers live in the get woods. Get into those schools anyway. Mom! So, my first question is, overall impression of the group of people that have been nominated here? Who Who's missing, uh, I guess, I think it's question. an excellent group. Um, I think there are some great directors who are missing here, but uh, my favorites are... Luca Guadagnino for Call Me By Your Name and Sean Baker for The Florida Project, and I could name others too, but I think it speaks very well of this year that I can't really fault any of the five that they chose, and in fact, I'm a fan of most of them. So I think it's a really terrific group. I don't think there's anyone here who I would say doesn't deserve to be here. Glenn, do you agree? I agree. I mean, on Oscar morning, you know, I'm busy writing and getting things together, but I did take a moment, I remember, to tweet out just how pleased I was with this group of five nominees for for director. I mean, you can, there's always going to be your favorite that's missing. Sean Baker for the Florida Project was mine. But this is a great group of nominees. And um, I was more excited by who was in, you know, Paul Thomas Anderson. I did not expect that he got his second Oscar nomination, um, first since There Will Be Blood. And Greta Gerwig and Jordan Peele know sure things. It's a good group just in terms of talent, in terms of the merit, and in terms of kind of the types of movies that they directed. It's a really interesting batch of films. And mentioning talent and merit is great because I think that a lot of times you see a group like this and you're cheered also on a separate level because we have a woman, we have a couple of people of color. So from a diversity standpoint, it's also... It's representative, which is nice, but these people are in here because of the films that they directed were so good that they deserved to be in here. So is it, can you take cheer in that, that there's some diversity among the group? Absolutely. With Greta Gerwig as a woman, Jordan Peele as a black man, uh, Guillermo del Toro, Mexican director. So I'm glad that I haven't heard too much naysaying or snippiness about any of these three directors being here only because, you know, as a token kind of nomination or token citation. Well, I think Guillermo del Toro is completely um, separate from that because he's 
been just a beloved Hollywood director for years to the point where some people have to actually remember, oh, he's Mexican born. So it's like, I think that that is um, certainly in his case. Um, and I, I maybe I've heard a little bit with regard to Lady Bird flows and cuts together so seamlessly. It's very easy to overlook, I think, how hard and how difficult it is for Greta Gerwig to achieve, you know, what she achieved in that film. Yeah, I, I agree. And, and, but when, you know, when you write about these nominations, you have to include the fact that, you know, Greta Gerwig, the fifth woman in the history of the Academy Awards, 90 years, five women nominated for director. Jordan Peele, fifth black man no. um, to be nominated for director. No black women yet. Um, and no black man has ever won Best Director Right. Yet. So these are important things because it matters. I, you know, I think Del Toro is going to win for a film that is, you know, not in any way, it doesn't feel like this film has a, you know, a, a Mexican identity, I wouldn't say, but it's, you know, it's, in fact, it's very much about diversity and representation in a broad sense. Um, that's very different to me in, in, in an interesting way. If we talk about Greta Gerwig, who's made a film that is very, and I, I this really became clear to me watching Lady Bird a second time, um, just the, how carefully she put that together, how she maintains tonal control through that whole thing the way the movie seems to be like you know rushing its way through and yet also being a very contemplative kind of thing it's there, there are things that she, i mean i i don't think that this is a token nomination at all i don't think it's a good job greta nomination at all i really think that this is her first well i mean technically her second i guess if you count nights and weekends the film she'd co-directed with joe swanberg years ago but her first her solo directing debut um i think she shows she had some major chops um and the fact that she chose to tell a very kind of personal and intimate story is just, um, you know, almost, I don't think it's incidental, but um, I think that, you know, she made a very, very big movie, very big in its emotions and very big in its effects. So, and that's it. I would be equally happy if Nolan won or if Greta Gerwig won, if Paul Thomas Anderson won. I think Phantom Thread is one of the most exquisitely directed movies of this year. And if Jordan Peele won too. So, right. so you'd be happy with anybody. And I do think there's something to be said about the drama of, and getting exactly right a tight shot on a face reflecting an emotion as opposed to the sort of dazzlement of a wide shot of thousands of people that the composition is beautiful, but it may not necessarily be saying something in that moment, that it looks beautiful. But... Absolutely. And and this often this comes down to, I mean, I think we're talking about this all kind of respecting these movies in a more or less equal way. But for some people, you know, Dunkirk just didn't work for them and they are going to like, you know, and Lady Bird did or vice versa, you know, whatever. So it's, they, they, they will sometimes just go for what they like. But yeah, going back to what you were saying too, it, it does look like it's Del Toro's um, award to lose because the Academy usually follows the, um, the director's guild. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's, you know, we, we've talked about how we like this group of directors, um, but we probably like, Del Toro the least, you know. If, oh, if do you I, agree with me on that too? I, I do because yeah. I like those other four better movies so much, yeah. um, and and in different ways, and and I and as as entertaining and interesting and involving as Shape of Water is, um, there are moments that are a little bit forced to me. And I I agree. I see this. I'm I you know. Guillermo del Toro made Pan's Labyrinth. So to me, it's like, give me, you know, it's like, I don't mind him winning this. It's like, I think he should have been nominated and maybe even won that year for that film. 
which I think is, you know, his masterpiece to date. Um, the Shape of Water is a movie that I admire enormously. I totally understand why people lo- love it and are responding to it so much. Um, it's a movie I admired more than I loved. And in fact, even as I was watching it for the first time and even more on the second, was sort of willing myself to try to like more than I really did. Um, and yet there are so many reasons why, you know, so many good examples of good direction in that film. The direction of the actors, which I think is maybe the most impressive thing about it. You know, Sally Hawkins and Octavia Spencer and Richard Jenkins and maybe to a lesser degree Michael Shannon, who I think is just, you know, verging on self-parody at this point. And Doug Jones. Uh, Let us not forget Doug Jones. Doug Jones. Absolutely. How could you not forget his, you know, who is Del Toro's true muse in some ways? Um, and, and di- no, sorry. And, well, I was just going to say, I know that Mark Olson had an opportunity to talk to Guillermo Del Toro sort of about his approach over the years. And I thought maybe we could take a little listen to that. Guillermo, do you, do you also enjoy the sort of the, the collaborative nature of, of filmmaking, having your creative team with you? Yeah, I mean, I think that you prepare excruciatingly for everything in order to be able to improvise, you know, and to find solutions that were different that you didn't know. And you only do this with age. You know, I know this sounds, there's, a, there's sort of a, a paradox when you're direct, when you're young, uh, sort of arrogance is more than experience. And then as you work, experience takes the place of arrogance, if you're lucky and if you're a good person, you know. And, and eventually experience is a much more genuine substance than, than the arrogance you have. And the more you relinquish, the more is yours in a strange way. So another person that I think that people think of, in your words, Justin, what you were just saying about wedding emotion and technicality is Paul Thomas Anderson in in general in his career and certainly in this film. Although I feel like people are talking about Phantom Thread, but the response to, from the people who have seen it and from the critics has been that, again, here is a very meticulous work from him. He's always meticulous. I mean, just the, I think from the minute he made hard eight everyone realized okay this guy is a born filmmaker and every film since then has just borne that out and it's interesting to me how he has gone from these uh, you know kind of grand epics like boogie nights and magnolia in a more interior direction with films like the master and um inherent vice and now phantom thread um while being just as meticulous just as exquisite and kind of his you know I, I love, you know, maybe four of these five directors almost equally, I would say. But if part of me is really rooting for for Paul Thomas Anderson, and I think that the industry does too. I mean, I was just as surprised as Glenn was, and I think a lot of people were when PTA got nominated because, and it was so heartening. And I think that shows enormous respect on the part of the industry. He was, you know, they love There Will Be Blood, and he's been nominated for screenplay any number of times. So I think that he has the kind of good faith support of the industry um, and and just the, the kind of cultural uh, cachet that Phantom Thread has had over the past, I think even in just in recent weeks um, is really wonderful. I think people that is, and it bears out my mind, you know, it bears out my feeling that that movie is a real audience movie, which I don't think you could necessarily say about the master or inherent vice or even, you know, I mean, I think there will be blood is too an, an audience movie, but Phantom Thread is this terrific dark comedy it's tonally weird it's also this you know beautiful throwback to sort of vintage hollywood romance and romantic melodrama you feel taken into another world that has been designed from top to bottom from the inside out uh 
the Mark Bridges costumes, that production design. It's, it creates this world that you just want to spend time in. I could have watched a movie about people just, you know, making clothes and making dresses <laughs> for two hours. And scored you know, by Johnny Greenwood. Scored by Johnny yeah. Greenwood. I mean, that score is just like being like made love to in a theater, just listening yeah. to that score for two hours. And so I, you know, quite, so even if the movie were not as compelling and well acted as it is, and it gives you this, you know, really interesting story on top of that. So I, I can't say enough good things about Phantom Thread. And I, I am so, you know, I don't think Anderson is going to win the directing Oscar, but the fact that that movie is catching on, it's one of the most quotable movies of the year. People are using the one liners, you know, there are people are making, you know, people just made Valentine's Day, you know, (laughs) Phantom (laughs) Thread grams with quotes from the movie. I just think it's awesome. Yeah, I was out, um. I spent a couple hours with him last week and in the kitchen of his of the home that they've been using as a post-production facility they have um, asparagus quotes up on the <laughs> where they keep the dishes yes. um, it's you know I was telling him that this is his Etsy movie you know and he was saying, yeah, Wes Anderson has all of his. Right. It's about so time fun. I have one of my own, you know. Expand the Anderson aesthetic. And he was so, he was so happy about those six nominations. Yeah. In his younger days, you know, he was kind of the, you know, brazen, angry young man a little bit. And too cool for school, kind of ah, Oscars. I'll just yeah, sure. But no, he was like, no, these these are important. You know, I'm 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 thankful and grateful, and I'm going to take a moment and enjoy yeah. the fact that it was nominated. He told me a story of the Oscar nominations morning when he was um, he got the call and it's his four kids came to the breakfast table and he was pouring them cereal and he said, you know, guess what movie got six. Oscar nominations. And there was like this pause. And then his youngest said, can I have a spoon? (laughs) And it's going, yeah, that's, that's how they actually should have reacted. You know, I spent all this time telling them awards don't matter. You you do things because you love them. So, um, and here's daddy bragging about his six Mm. Oscar nominations, but, but he was really pleased about them. That's and it. I think if he does win too, one of the side benefits will we, we will be treated to a fantastic Maya Rudolph reaction shot, right? <laughs> so yes. this is one reason to be rooting for PTA. So and on that note, we're going to take a short break and we'll be right back. In Pixar's Coco, young Miguel dreams of becoming an accomplished musician despite his family's generations-old ban on music. Desperate to prove his talent, Miguel finds himself in the stunning and colorful land of the dead. After meeting a charming trickster named Hector, the two new friends embark on an extraordinary journey to unlock the real story behind Miguel's family history. This isn't a dream then. You're all really out there. You thought we weren't? Well, I don't know. I thought it might have been one of those made-up things that adults tell kids, like vitamins. Miguel, vitamins are a real thing. Well, now I'm thinking maybe they could be. Pre-order Coco on iTunes Movies. And now I want to talk a little bit about Jordan Peele. We have talked previously about some of the achievements that he had made in the film, but I think it's really interesting, just from a cheerfulness standpoint, that this man... Like one of the last movies he just made was Keanu. <laughs> and I'm not sure that a lot of people really knew that he had this in him ahead of time. Do you feel like there was a sense of surprise with this? I think there's a sense of surprise 
with him. I, I, you know, this is something he's wanted to do since he was 13 years old. And to reach this point where he, he's doing something he always wanted to do, and I think he always knew he wanted to do, but he didn't have quite the courage to do it until he was like halfway through writing Get Out. He phoned the producer and said, you know, I want to direct this too. Mm-hmm. I, I, um, I think I'm the only person who could do this. Yeah. And then they hung up and 10 minutes later, the producer called back and said, I think you're right. I think you are the only person who could do this. And you talk to him. He's got dozens of ideas. When I sat down with him uh, for a Q&A, it was actually at the AFI Fest. Uh, there was an anniversary screening of uh, Guess Who's Coming to Dinner, which, of course, is you know one of the cinematic foundations and touchstones for Get Out. And he spoke about that film with so much you know, that film looks kind of, you know, a little retrograde now, perhaps in some of its uh, very well-meaning, you know, politics or whatnot. But he spoke about it with great affection and with the sense I think everyone in that room got, which is that he had been sitting with this movie and sitting with the ideas of this movie for so long. And kind of like Greta Gerwig, I think, you know, these are, I think the interesting story about both Gerwig and Peel is that they were people who had proven how talented they were before they turned their attention to directing. I mean, you know, as, as actors and as writers, you know, we knew that they were, you know, they had established themselves and then this is what I really want to do, or maybe not really want to do, or, but you know, in, in, in Gerwig's case, I don't know. And in, in, in Peel's case, I think you're right. Glenn, it's like this is, you know, he's already rolled out. He wants to do more social thrillers, like a whole, you know, series worth of them. And, um, you know, you hope that they'll be as good as Get Out. Maybe not all of them will be, but um, he he clearly has the the talent to pull it off. And so um, it's exciting when somebody is that talented and they say, maybe not this is what I want to do really, but this is what I want to do additionally. Additionally. And I think because we have that bias sometimes, or there are people who have the bias sometimes that we don't take comedy as seriously as we take drama, (laughs) that that adds an extra layer of surprise for some people Mm -hmm. coming to it that like here is, you know, this goofy guy doing these sketch shows, oh my goodness. But you forget that those sketch shows require great precision Mm -hmm. and great intelligence and great forethought. And so it shouldn't be that much of a surprise that you would bring that to bear on something like this. It shouldn't be that much of a surprise. I think you're absolutely right, Sarah. It's like, it's very, you know, and I think the same thing applies for Greta Gerwig. It's like, oh, here's this kind of mumblecore goofy actress who is so endearing in her movies. And oh, whoa, she just made this, you know, this movie that is very funny, but that is also very emotional. It's like, and in a way, there maybe is something, there's maybe a hint of condescension in that, perhaps, although who minds that if it means an Oscar nomination for Best Director? But we're reminded, too, (laughs) that there are a lot of directors who, great directors who have never won or even been nominated for this, and yet they love giving it, I think, to actors turned directors, whether it's Ron Howard or Robert Redford. Redford. It's like, I think sometimes... Kevin Costner. Kevin Costner, and I think that both, you know, I would put Gerwig and Peele above any of those achievements personally, just thinking back on them. But I think it's interesting. They sometimes tend to reward, okay, you've made it good already and you know, in this respect, and oh, you you look what you can do. You're like, you know, you're a juggler, you can do all this and so and so here you go. You know, I'm not saying that's the only dynamic in effect here. I think that, you know, I think both those directors really earned it, but there does seem to be 
sort of that, you know, first, and it also kind of reinforces the idea of the Academy is, you know, the Academy Awards is something of a popularity contest because they both are people who are known already. And so now it's like, here we can cheer sure. you on as you open up this other avenue of your career, um, as opposed to someone else who's maybe more of a career director. I mean, I, I think really quickly I want to talk about Dee Rees for Mudbound, mm. a woman of color who I think impressed a lot of people with, you know, myself included, with just this really ambitious you know, very kind of politically daring and narratively and structurally daring movie that um, maybe just in the midst of this very, very competitive year got a little bit overlooked, you know, despite Mudbound receiving four nominations, but, you know, not for including for, uh, adapted screenplay for um, for her. So. It's, so she maybe is a name that you would have liked to have seen in there. I would have liked to see her in the mix. Part of me was almost wondering, like, when I was, before the nominations were announced, you know, the director's category, the director's branch, give them credit. They throw some, you know, they they throw some interesting names into the mix sometimes. Um, Lenny Abramson for Room or something, or like, Ben you know, Zeitlin. Ben Zeitlin for Beasts of the Southern Wild and Michael Haneke for Amour that same year over uh, people they were expecting to get in, like Catherine Bigelow and uh, Ben Affleck. So... I really am a fan of this branch. They'll throw in foreign directors. They'll throw in Pedro Almodovar for Talk to Her. It's like, so I was kind of hoping, thinking, you know, Deary's might get in and, you know, who know, who knew? But uh, if any, you know, but uh, that didn't happen. But maybe in the future. I hope there are Oscar nominations for in the future. She's a great director. And I like that idea, just backing up a little bit, because things like Ordinary People and movies like that are coming to mind when the actor makes the leap to directing and... I feel like maybe back then it was even more surprising, but now it is less so. And that somebody like Jordan Peele, it's not, it is about merit. It is about talent. It isn't just about, hey, you can do that too. Everyone's would, a multi-hyphenate these days, kind of. Yeah. <laughs> I would say for both of them, having, having spent time with both of them, they're two of the most well-read people uh-huh. I know. They are voracious readers. They're also voracious Film lovers, they watch movies. Jordan um, knows the genre and the genre rules backward and forward, and he studied them. And that, and that goes back again to somebody I, I was talking about who's wanted to do this, who's thought about doing this for a while. He put in his time. He's thought about it. He he knows. He, he knew it all. He knew all the rules. He knew what he wanted to do. And then, he yeah, he filters it through his own voice, through his own vision. Greta Gerwig did that, too. And um, it's kind of a cool lesson, I think, for young filmmakers to take away from that is to, you know, and we get asked that a lot, you know, how do you become a writer? Well, you, you read. You, mm-hmm. you read and then you write. But you start. And, and for filmmakers, you watch and and you and you read. Yes, you take your notes. And I know that Mark also had an opportunity to talk to Jordan Peele, so we are going to listen to a little bit of that also. Directing feels like you're like pirate captain, and you have everybody's trusting you, and everybody's putting forth their best work. And I mean, film for that reason, it's like it's I think the best form of story because you get, you know, it's a collaboration. And everybody's working with this, the whole idea of painting this perspective and allowing the audience to see through someone else's eyes. Mm-hmm. So that's, you know, that, and, you know, with Get Out, it was, look, wait, you know, I've never seen these fears that I have as a black man um, on, on screen. 
So one person we have not talked too extensively about yet, other than the technical achievement that he got in Dunkirk is Christopher Nolan, who has been in this category previously, yes? No. This is his first time? It's first shocking to a lot of people, I think. That is shocking is... to me. He has made some provocative, interesting, well-seen films. I mean, I think... I, I love the Christopher Nolan's nominated for Dunkirk, and I do think it's long overdue. I, You know, I remember... Glenn, am I right? I think he got a Director's Guild nomination for Memento. I believe he did, like, which was like his second feature back in 2001. Don't quote, you know, I could yeah, be wrong, but I, I'm pretty taking sure. taking like, me too far back. <laughs> here on and that's a, like a memory someone, issue yeah, there. <laughs> he's someone whose career I followed very intently. And um, I, I think that, you know, the fact even that they expanded the Best Picture category because everyone in the Academy realized that they'd really dropped the ball by not nominating The Dark Knight that year for picture or for director for that matter. Everyone thought he deserved it. I mean, he is someone who we talk about, you know, the blockbuster directors who kind of whether they do or don't get in. And I think everyone feels that if anyone has sort of elevated the blockbuster, it's Christopher Nolan and or even with films that are not Batman movies like Inception, which was, you know, won a lot of Oscars, but was not nominated for Best Director. Um I'm a huge fan of Interstellar, which I know is divisive. But I, I, he, I, I really love. And it's let's inter- spend the yeah. next half an hour talking about that. <laughs> let's, Interstellar, everyone. That's another episode unto itself. But that's um, what the next podcast will be about: debating Interstellar. And with Dunkirk, you know, which not even my favorite of his films by a long shot, but I although I admired it enormously, it's interesting how this is a movie that I think is both classical and radical in the same you know classical maybe even more just in its subject matter i mean the the joke goes that if you make a, a world war ii epic you know and it's and it's and it's, it's well received you know the academy would respond to that but this is something of course that he has done in his own pretty inimitable way in terms of just the structure of that movie the play with time and with narrative the the sense it's almost like classical avant-garde to me the way he doesn't really Bring you in a, to identification with his characters in an int- in, in, in a conventional way, um, which might, you know, for some I think leaves them a little cold because like where's the emotion in this movie? And it's like I love that though because I think it, to me it's it's very existential kind of filmmaking, you know, where it's not just steering you through this narrative; it's like plunging you right into what's it like to be um, a soldier on the beaches of Dunkirk. So I and technical achievements and we can talk it's like it's just you watch the movie it's like you just you come out and you feel like you've been transported i think it's just um so i'm very happy that he's here and and, and another reason why maybe i wish del toro were not monopolizing these awards beforehand because i do prefer dunkirk as a film and i think as a technical achievement and as an emotional one i think it's superior um for me so um i wish that nolan were being you know nolan though is not the uh he is not the cuddly beloved figure that del-, del toro is on the award circuit and that's for sure <laughs> he's like the polar opposite he is frigidly the, uh, polar <laughs> yeah um yeah well it's interesting because for someone whose movies have grossed more than five billion dollars um that's a lot of popularity but he's still something of a divisive figure within the industry um i when the when dunkirk screened for the academy Back in the summer, I wrote about it. You know, it screened at the at the Goldwyn Theater, a thousand seats, and it was it was full to capacity, and got a pretty strong response. And I wrote about that, and then I had so many Academy members um, email me saying, "No, no, no, we didn't like that movie. Mm-hmm. You um, gave it too much praise. Uh, we found it. You know, the, the the criticisms where it was a bit 
cold. We couldn't identify with the characters. There were no individual characters to latch onto. Justin's rolling his eyes, but I'm just reporting. Right. I'm just delivering the news here. <laughs> he is here. not saying that. Is um, Hans opinion. Zimmer's score is still ringing in my ears. Um, the structure of it, I've had enough of these Nolan puzzle movies with his fractured time um, uh, this is why structures. I can't wait for this wing of the Academy to die off <laughs> so that we can bring uh, in some I don't know that this is an, <laughs> I don't know that this is a generational thing. I think this is I heard this from young and old. From the um, Harry Styles fans and the uh, Kenneth Branagh fans. The, the Harry Styles fans wanted you know, why didn't he break into song? No, I I didn't get that email, but... Dunkirk, um, exclamation point. Dunkirk, but yeah, <laughs> but like I say, you know, for someone who's so popular, he remains something. And Absolutely. that's it's it's his first um, nomination as a director. And, and um, even before the Oscar nominations were announced, and you kind of figured this is the kind of movie that certainly would, would merit his first nomination... There was a lot of hand-wringing over at Warner Brothers, whether it was actually going to come true mm. or not. Well, I think, too, and a lot of people will laugh at this and roll their eyes as well, but, you know, a director that Nolan is often compared to is Stanley Kubrick. Um, and, you know, I think that a lot of people probably would take issue with the idea that he has deserves to be in that pantheon with Kubrick, but I think he's the closest thing we have to a director like that. Um, who is sort of, you know, you could actually say maybe Anderson is one of them too. But I think Noel, in terms of working in that sort of rarefied sphere where it's, it's, you know, he's working with, he's a popular filmmaker, but there is this, um, he is sometimes characterized as, as cold, as maybe caring more about the technique per se than the actors or an emotional experience. And for me, I just say like, why is that a bad thing? Why do we fetishize and idealize, you know, uh, characters who are identifiable who why do we um you know heap so much praise on movies that pull you in it's like why do we make excuses for our own laziness as moviegoers frankly i mean i think of movie going as an active experience glenn i know you do too i'm not i'm sort of you know preaching to the choir here um because you know i i just think that a lot of movies a lot of moviegoers and i think a lot of academy voters um want to be spoon-fed and so i so you know and i think that this does explain or account for at least why Nolan has taken so long to enter this nominee's circle. Um, it's interesting because I remember the year of inception, you know, which I think won like four or five or six Oscars. And so Nolan's name was the most repeated of that night. Everyone's just like, thank you, Christopher Nolan, 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 but very conspicuously not nominated for best director. So that kind of sums up the polarization right there. Almost like he's hugely respected and yet, you know, he's never going to be everyone's favorite, of course, which is a good thing, I think. I think that's the best thing. Mm -hmm. I mean, because then you have people talking about you, right? And so now it is time to make your predictions, gentlemen. Who do you think will win? And who would you like to see win? Um, you know, Guillermo del Toro, the Academy clearly likes him. Um, he's won numerous awards, including the Director's Guild Award. So he's definitely the odds-on favorite to win this. As we've talked about, I love these these nominees. It's hard to choose who I would like to see. I would kind of like to see Paul Thomas Anderson because it would just blow his mind. The reaction <laughs> shot would be awesome. It, Christopher Nolan for the same reason because he is kind of reserved, this sort of stiff upper lip 
Britt, if his name was called, would he, would would that? What would his face be? I, I, <laughs> I'd love to see that. I think you would get that just rare burst of emotion, and, and apart from the the reserve that we typically see him. So, um, but then God, Greta Gerwig or Jordan Peele. It's I. It's really hard for me to choose among those four. Um, love them all. All right. I'm kind of right there with Glenn. Um, I think Del Toro has this pretty much in the bag. Is as close to a short thing as anyone on Oscar night. I sort of have this sort of tie in my head between Nolan and Paul Thomas Anderson. Um, the two white guys. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting. I'm so unwoke in my directing choices, although I'd, I'd love to see Greta Gerwig too. And, and, and Jordan Peele's, you know, I, I think are, are both very deserving, but, um, you know, I like Phantom Thread better as a film than Dunkirk, but, um, and so I, I would maybe have just to break the tie. I'll go with Paul Thomas Anderson for Phantom Thread, uh, but Nolan winning would not make me unhappy by any stretch. So much love in the room for all of the people. We're just so democratic. All right. Well, we are closing up shop for the day. Thank you so much for listening. Justin, tell the people where they can find you on the Twitter. You can find me at Justin C. Chang. And Glenn. I'm at Glenn Whip. That's two P's, ladies and gentlemen, W-H-I-P-P. That is a wrap on this episode of the pod. Thank you so much for listening. And please go to Apple Podcasts or wherever you find your favorite listening and download the show and rate and review us. Engage people. Thank you so much. And until next time, I'm Sarah Rodman. To get these and many other award-nominated films, go to iTunes.com slash Oscars.